Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are going back to 2010 for another Missing Pieces installment. We're going to be talking about Edgar Wright's Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which is a movie I had really been wanting to go back to. So I'm really glad that Rico from Always the Critic podcast uh, brought this one to my attention as a as a good movie for us to go do the whole puzzle pieces treatment on and it was a good excuse for me to finally get around to rewatching it. I hadn't seen it since the theater and I know a lot of people who love this movie and I liked it when it came out. I appreciated it, especially as the nerd that I am, but I didn't love it. And so I've always wanted to go back and rewatch it. And I got to say, I kind of loved it this time. So I'm really excited to talk about it. So uh, before we get into that, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You could also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. And you can follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where a whole lot of nerds like to talk about movies and probably all love Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. So uh, yeah, join us over there. Follow us on social media. Make sure you're subscribed, rate and review, do all those things. And uh, other than that, I think it's time to get into a really fun conversation about a great movie. All right, so joining me today, we've got Rico coming back to the show. How's it going, man? I'm doing pretty well. How about you, David? I am all right. I am watching lots and lots of movies, and the one we're about to talk about it's something I hadn't watched since the theater and have always wanted to revisit, and so I was uh, really glad that you brought it up as a good possibility for this Missing Pieces series, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Oh, man. So this is a movie that I remember when I even saw like commercials leading up to the release, mm-hmm. and I was inundated with so many ads at the time that I thought it was going to be a huge deal yeah. when it came out, and... Boy, was it not a big deal when it came out. (laughs) It's so weird. Yeah, it's kind of settled into like a little cult thing and everything. I don't understand why this movie didn't uh, break out bigger. And I mean, it definitely has its fans, you know, but it's one of those movies like, you know, it's funny over on Awesome Movie or the other podcast that I produce, you know, we talk about uh, cult classics and sometimes some of the movies that we end up picking as cult classics for example, Edgar Wright's Hot Fuzz was one. And I think about it and I'm like, 
what you know was it a cult classic or was it like a major major hit and it really wasn't a major major hit which is so freaking strange to me and the same situation with this one yeah what's what's crazy about a lot of movies especially since like you and i we are part of a film community and we've probably been around movies for most of our lives so when we start talking about movies and when we start you know really engaging with movies we kind of uh, forget that there's a mass audience that sometimes is not you know in tuned with what's coming out next and what's the next movie <laughs> by the major director and stuff like that so you know we get caught totally. by surprise when we think oh this movie's going to be huge and then it's not yeah, absolutely. It is so uh, it's so weird when that stuff happens. But but yeah, I mean, I'm glad, though, that this is a movie that, uh, you know, we're going to get a chance to talk about. And why don't we jump in and start getting into some puzzle pieces for this thing? What do you got for your first puzzle piece? My first puzzle piece, I am going to go ahead and use another film by Edgar Wright. It, it only makes sense to do that just because of the fact that there's such a huge influence from his prior films. So I'm choosing Shaun of the Dead. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm choosing Shaun of the Dead mostly because of the fact that, number one, obviously it's directed by Eckerd Wright. Number two, you can see a lot of the influences of cutting his editing style is very huge in that movie. So like his either... He can cut really quickly between a couple scenes, just like you do in Scott Pilgrim. The way he plays with the camera, where like he'll move the camera one side and then move it back. Uh, you see that a lot in Shaun of the mm. Dead. And a lot of pop culture references uh, throughout Shaun of the Dead that kind of influence Scott Pilgrim as well. So those were a few things that I could see in Scott Pilgrim that you can see in Shaun of the Dead. Sure, absolutely. I, I think the biggest thing when rewatching this uh, that really stood out to me was just how just visually uh, stylistic and and just so unique and cool it was with the way that he's doing some of those crazy camera movements and really uh, blending in all the, the comic book style stuff that's happening. And you know, obviously this being a missing pieces episode, we're going to talk, you know, at the end about movies that have come since, uh, but it's almost hard to even think of ones because it is just so in a league of its own as far as the style is concerned. I was talking with my brother about this movie based on just the style of the movie alone, uh, because it's so hyper energetic and there's so much going into it not just in camera movements but cgi that's added into the movie and it, my brother was telling me that it has no business being as good as it is right because of the fact that there's so much going on but edgar wright knows what he's doing he knows that he could get away with just enough you know style and you know mixed in with the substance that he has that it really had it makes it a very fun movie Absolutely. Well, that's a great lead into my first puzzle piece, uh, which is another underappreciated cult kind of movie uh, that's also heavily stylized. And that is uh, the Wachowskis 2008 Speed Racer adaptation, which I Whoa. absolutely <laughs> love. I am going to I'm going to defend this movie to my dying day. It is so much fun. It is so just over the top and just nonstop, just just style just being thrown at you nonstop and you know depending on your uh 
your tastes. Maybe it's a little bit too much style <laughs> for some people, uh, or maybe <laughs> the wrong kind of style for some people. But to me, that movie is just so freaking great. And uh, unlike, you know, th- that's again, I-, I think I just said that a minute ago, just, you know, unlike anything you've really seen. I mean, it really does something original and unique, and that stands out in a way that, to me, is just super, super impressive. And, uh, yeah, I can't say enough great things about Speed Racer, and I don't think I've gotten a chance to bring it up on the show before, so I'm really glad to be able to bring it up. And, uh, yeah, it, it just, it really does an amazing job of taking a movie and, like, adding in all of these elements of, like, comic book, cartoon, video game and all that and and really uh you know making making it into a cinema kind of thing. What I really appreciate about Speed Racer and Scott Pilgrim, uh both of those movies really lean into the comic book or to the cartoon or you know they they base themselves out of their actual property. Um a lot mm-hmm. of times you'll see like graphic novels or comic books or anything get put on screen and they try to ground them to, you know, a real life scenario. And so a lot of the fantastical elements kind of get left behind Mm -hmm. and it kind of sucks. But when a movie does lean into it, I think it's really, really cool because it's something different. It's not something we see every day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it makes it stand out from just being another, you know, action movie or something like that. It makes it its own genre, which is what I love. Exactly. That's what I really love. So uh, what do you got for Uh, your next piece? So my next piece. So this movie uh, is, again, it's very into its pop culture nature. It's it's almost referencing upon itself. It's self-aware almost. And there's a lot of things that the movie does where it makes it, you can't tell like reality from what's going on. Sometimes there's dream sequences. So that kind of reminded me of the movie 500 Days of Summer Mm. uh, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Like that movie is about a guy who is after a girl. And in his eyes, that girl is perfect kind of the way Scott sees Ramona. Mm. And at the same time, as he's, you know, living out his life, chasing after this girl in 500 Days of Summer, uh, we see, like, moments where, you know, there's surreal things happening. Like, I think it's the first time that he kisses uh, Summer in the movie. After that, there's, like, an entire musical montage where the entire city kind of, like, galvanizes around him, and they're singing uh, that Hollow Notes song, My Dreams Come True. And like he sees himself Mm. in his reflection as Han Solo. And (laughs) there's a lot of blending of, you know, what's really happening and what's in the guy's imagination. And we see that with Scott Pilgrim, where sometimes he'll he'll be with Ramona or sometimes he'll be dreaming about Ramona. Mm. And there's these moments of, is this really happening or, you know, is he dreaming about this? Uh, So that surreal type of mix is what kind of brought me with uh, 500 days of summer. Totally. I I can, I can absolutely see that. I think that's like the second time in a few weeks now that 500 days of summer have come up on the, (laughs) on the show. And I haven't, that's another movie I haven't seen since it first came out. And I should really go back and revisit it. Cause uh, I remember it was pretty cool, inventive movie and, uh, and a lot of fun when it came out. I should, I should watch that again. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it. And so there, there's a lot that you could dig out of that movie for sure. 
Nice, nice. All right, well, I'll go to my next piece. And uh, this one, uh, you know, as far as this movie, uh, the main thing is, of course, you know, kind of capturing that that whole nerd culture and, you know, the video games, comic books, all, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I think one of the best uses of nerd culture before it are the Kevin Smith movies, especially those first few, Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy. Right. Um, and so I'm just going to put them all together as as one little bucket of puzzle pieces there. But, um, yeah, I mean, no one really captured that kind of, uh, you know, that 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 culture really as well as Kevin Smith did before. And I think, I think Scott Pilgrim, Edgar Wright does it pretty much just as well as Kevin Smith did. I mean, he really gets what makes people love these things and these, uh, some of it being, you know, more mainstream references, some of it being smaller ones. I mean, the clash at demon head, uh, is one of my favorite Nintendo games. So, you know, but I think most, <laughs> most people probably have no freaking idea what that is, you know, but, um, so, but it absolutely does capture that nerd culture so, so well. And like I said, I mean, the Kevin Smith, that, that initial trilogy of movies, he was just so tapped in, and I think trying to capture that is something Edgar Wright was really going for. He, yeah, I would say that uh, being able to tap into pop culture is something that Edgar Wright has been able to show off in multiple movies, um, not just uh, pop culture and like movie references or video game references, but also music as well. Sure. Uh, does a very good job of selecting what songs go into the movies. Uh, you can see that in, you know, Clerks, Small Rats, Chasing Amy. Uh, you could see it with his um, movies as well with, uh, obviously, Scott Pilgrim, but you can also see it in Baby Driver. Uh, mm-hmm. So Edgar Wright really knows what he's doing in terms of engaging pop culture in his movies. Yeah, I feel like uh, Edgar Wright is probably... Him and uh, Tarantino are two of the the filmmakers who you really pay attention the most when they come out with like a list of favorite movies of you know any kind of genre or anything yes. or, fa- or favorite things even in general. Like they they love their stuff and they love talking about stuff like that. Oh yeah, it's always something like reading either Edgar Wright's Twitter feed. Sometimes he'll just be going off on a movie, or he'll be making recommendations, and you just you you have to pay attention because uh, he's so inventive with his style that he's looking at stuff and how he could play around with that stuff. His his own influences, so totally you, you kind of have to pay attention there. Yeah, absolutely. What do you got for your next piece? My next one is going to be a, another rom com. Uh, and it's also Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which is surprising. Uh, the the next one is all about a guy who idealizes a girl and is going through any obstacle to be with that girl. And it's a very specific part of the movie, but it's it's that. And it's 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in love with a girl that he knows nothing about. Kind of the way Scott Pilgrim is in love with a girl that he knows nothing about. He just sees her as an idealized dream girl, like can can do mm-hmm. no wrong and goes through all these different obstacles to be with the girl, even though he doesn't know her that well. Uh, anything. So in 10 Things I Hate About You, you know, he he joins a study group and tries to be her tutor and then tries to pay off the guy that 
nobody wants to talk to pay him off to try to date her, her sister so that way he could go on a date with her. At the same time, they have to make sure that the bully doesn't get in the way. Like there's multiple things, multiple mm -hmm. factors for him just to date this one girl. And in Scott Pilgrim, you have the same thing. You have uh, one guy who wants to date a girl, but he has to go through seven different exes in order to do it. Right. Uh, you know, are these girls that much trouble? Are they worth this, this much trouble, you know? But in the sure. eyes of these two characters, they are. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's funny, um, this puzzle piece really kind of, uh, you know, leads into the conversation around this movie lately. I mean, this has kind of gotten a little bit of a bad rep for, uh, you know, everything, the way that things are now. I mean, I don't think a movie like this could be made now because, you know, mm. the, the, the main character would be considered too creepy or, or something <laughs> like that. And I don't know. I mean, these are just, they're such fun movies and it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun genre. It is a fun genre for sure. Uh, and it's tough when we start to view movies through the lens of not when they were made, but how the audience is viewing them now. Yeah. It's, it's very unfair to a lot of different movies, unless it's like super blatant type of material. Sure. Um, but like stuff like that, you know, like a, let's say almost a stalker type of character, right? I'm not saying that they are stalkers. It's just that everything they're doing is manipulative in some way to try to get the girl. Mm -hmm. And, you know, stuff like that was played for, for laughs, you know, all the time back in the day. Uh, one example that I remember, uh, if for people who used to watch the show friends or still love the show friends, uh, there was an episode where Phoebe had a stalker and it was played by De David Arquette and he, mm -hmm. it was played for laughs. Like, oh, he would like peep at her with binoculars and <laughs> he would know the entire sequence of her morning white coffee shop. And he was like this weird, awkward dude. And it was played for laughs. But now in today's setting, I can see people get mad about it and like, you know, go back and say, oh, that's not right. And stuff. So I, I, <laughs> I feel like David Arquette has a whole string of uh, performances that wouldn't fly today. Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> You're right about that. <laughs> He's got that market cornered, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I will go on to my next piece then. Uh, so I am going to go with another movie with a hell of a lot of style that, uh, you know, came before it and blended the whole comic book thing with with movie making and that's uh robert rodriguez's sin city uh which you know has just such a a very unique uh interesting style that captures the the graphic novels that it's based on while you know really just again doing something that hadn't been seen on screen and not with that you know attention to detail before that was also on my list Nice. Sin City. Yeah, we both have the same movie there. Just the fact that it feels like it is taking the graphic novel. It's like taking the pages off of the graphic novel and putting them right onto the screen. I, I think it's so well done, uh, heavily stylized. Uh, you know, there's not very many movies you could say that about where it feels like you're looking at the comic book on the screen. Totally. 
No, absolutely. I it and it it's just such a cool look. And again, I mean, this is something we've been talking about through this whole conversation so far. But it just makes it feel so uh, unique, so unique and original. Imagine if Sin City had just been filmed in a normal, you know, color and not so heavily stylized with a which a lot of comic book movies do. Sure. It just wouldn't work. No, it would not be the same thing at all. It would just, again, it just goes back to just being another action movie, basically. Yeah, and we have so many generic action movies nowadays that it, it's hard to tell them apart. So it's nice when a director really puts their own flair and style into a movie. That's always great to see. Sure, absolutely. Um, so was that your last piece then? Did I steal it from you? No, I actually have one more. Okay, what do you got? So I have uh, another uh, movie that's based off a graphic novel. Uh, this movie is very, it, it was released pretty much uh, pretty much at the same time almost. So it's kind of hard to say that it was a influence because they go, both got released in the same year. But mm -hmm. I think uh, this movie was released like a couple of months before. Uh, but I see a lot of similarities in the movie Kick-Ass. Uh, this movie, totally. again, is a graphic novel. Uh, it's about a lot of action, a lot of fighting. Uh, so there's a hyper-stylized fighting style. Uh, you get it from Hit Girl, uh, mostly in the movie. But uh, the fact that it's so colorful, the, the movie Kick-Ass, uh, each character brings their own style, kind of the way every character in Scott Pilgrim has their own fighting style, whether it's the ex-girlfriend who who's really very good at fighting or if it's like the the twins who do all their fighting through you know the speaker and the sounds everybody has their own style and kick ass and on top of that um you have the main protagonist who he wants to be a hero he wants to be like the guy but he you know he has no training he, you know he has no true reason to really motivate him. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just at the end of the day, finally, he he builds up the necessary courage to know that he's doing this for himself, not just for, you know, just to be cool. And sure. in Scott Pilgrim, he realizes that he needs to do things more for himself. Um, you know, he I think if I'm not mistaken, in Scott Pilgrim at the very end, um, he gets to do over the final fight. And the reason yeah. he gets to do the final fight, he has that extra life, but then the reason he gets the sword out and it's like a self-respect thing. Right. And so right. it makes him more powerful. Same thing with Kick-Ass. He, he's able to trust in his own instincts instead of relying on everyone else or, you know, listening to everybody else and what they think he should be. So things like that is what I drew from Kick-Ass for Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy that these two movies came out in the same year. Um, they they just they really tapped into the same uh, the same feeling, the same the same culture that hadn't really been represented quite so much on on screen before, and certainly not in this way. Uh, they just they really are companion pieces in a way. Yeah, and so I I wonder if there was something going on in that time frame of 2010 that really lent themselves for these movies to come out at that time and, you know, speak to mm -hmm. that person or those type of people who maybe didn't know what they wanted to do with themselves, but they knew they wanted something. 
Sure. And so, yeah, I, I think they're great companion pieces together. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, I will go on to my next piece. I have, I have two more, so I'll just uh, knock no those problem. out back to back. Uh, first up is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I considered and, this one. Yeah, you did. I mean, for me, it was mainly it, it, also the inventiveness of the way how everything is shot and all that. But mainly it's that ending of of knowing that, uh, you know, you have they have all of this, you know, relationship and emotional baggage, but they're going to just go for it anyway. Yeah. 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 That it, It's very well done. And it does match the ending of this movie as well. Totally. <laughs> it's such a freaking good movie um yes, and, <laughs> and then the other one i was going to bring up and this one's not not so very specific but just for the culture itself but that's the wizard the uh the fred savage nintendo movie oh wow <laughs> yeah going all the way back and i mean there's not so much with plot or anything like that but just so much with uh that's one of the earlier uh, examples I could think of of trying to capture, uh, you know, nerd culture that really n- never got displayed on screen before. Yeah, th- I think that's what this movie does so well is displaying that no- nerd culture in a way that nerds would actually understand. Um, framing it as almost like a video yeah. game at moments, or a comic book, or just the pop cultural references of the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of movies won't do that. They won't cater to that audience in that way. Yeah, and maybe considering that they didn't show up to uh, buy tickets, maybe maybe, yeah, maybe that's <laughs> there's a reason why. <laughs> damn, damn nerds. Um, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> well, I'm gonna go ahead and do the finished puzzle, and then we will uh, talk about some movies that have come since that maybe uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World itself has influenced. So. Finished puzzle includes Shaun of the Dead, Speed Racer, 500 Days of Summer, Kevin Smith movies such as Clerk, Small Rats, and Chasing Amy, 10 Things I Hate About You, Sin City, Kick-Ass, Eternal Sunshine, and The Wizard. So uh, why don't we talk a little bit about some movies that have come since this. This came out, of course, in 2010, so the last 10 years, uh, nerd culture has absolutely started to explode a little bit uh, and become much more mainstream, I think. Uh, What do you think? Are there any movies that you thought this reminded you of that have come since? Uh, So this movie, we mentioned it earlier, kind of stands on its own because there's not many movies that are made like this. There's plenty of comic book movies. I I don't think we can sit here and say that um, this was the reason why, but, you know, there's a lot of movies out there. There's one movie, though, that I kind of feel has, like, some similar beats, at least, Mm -hmm. and that is Ready Player One, Mm. Uh, just because of the fact that it, you know, the the main character is in this fantastical world. Uh, everything around him is some type of pop culture reference in some way. Um, everything is stylized when he's in the world. Even though the main story is about a kid who goes into VR to actually be in that world. But it's mostly when they're in the VR world. That's when you really get a sense of how it feels a little similar to Scott Pilgrim just because everything's so fantastical. 
No, totally. I, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't think of that one. That is a, a great one to bring up. I, I think it, it definitely captures a lot of that, that hyper stylization as well as the nerd references and all that stuff. And, you know, every, every minute has something in it, little Easter eggs and all that stuff. I think it's definitely a great one. Yeah. So that was for me personally, at least is the only one that really, when I was thinking about all this is the only one that came to mind for that specific purpose of after Scott Pilgrim. For sure, for sure. Well, I've I've got two. Uh one that's not actually out yet. Uh <laughs> and <laughs> they both have Ryan Reynolds. Um first oh. one is Deadpool <laughs> and uh the second one is his upcoming free guy, which who knows if it's ever gonna come out with everything going on in the world right now. Uh, but Deadpool is, you know, just filled with just self-referential, you know, pop culture stuff and just all the, all that kind of just really quick, you know, a gag a minute and, uh, just, you know, just filling the scenes. Like I said, Easter eggs, like with that ready player one, one, and just so many little, uh, inside jokes and things like that. And so I, I thought that one fits. Plus of course, being a comic book movie that helps as well. Yes. And then, uh, you know, uh, who knows with this Free Guy movie, whether or not it's going to be any good or anything, but it certainly does seem to uh, be tapping into some kind of, uh, you know, moment of video games and, you know, what makes video games, what makes people love video games and all the little inside jokes and stuff that go along with it. And uh, it looked like it could be good, you know? It does look like it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing uh that a lot of these movies like this that are very seeped into the pop culture is going back to see what references you may have missed or things that maybe the first time you watched them you had no idea that was in the corner of the screen you know stuff like that i think Mm. that these movies lend themselves to that uh can i just say though uh this movie, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, uh, retroactively has one of the most stacked casts in a long time. Totally. And that, I say retroactively because at the time, that, that cast was a lot of nobodies at yeah. the time. But if you were to try to put that movie together now with the same actors, like I don't think you could do it. It's so true. I mean, everybody in it has gone on to do so much great stuff. Um and I mean, of course, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I think, is probably the number one. <laughs> for this cast. <laughs> she's just so damn good in everything that she's in. She really is. I mean, we have superstars like, uh, you know, Chris Evans. You have Oscar mm-hmm. winners and Brie Larson. Uh, if anything, Michael Sarah, who was the star of this movie, has actually taken a backseat to everyone else around him in the movie. I know. Yeah, he had a, he had a moment for a few years like around this movie. He was in a lot of stuff. He was becoming a big star. Now I don't know what exactly he's doing, but uh I'm I'm sure he's out there uh just being Michael Sarah. <laughs> yeah, the last time the last time I saw him was in the movie Gloria Bell where he just showed oh, up yeah. uh playing her do- her son just randomly. Yeah, and yeah. it kind of like took me by surprise. I was like, "Michael Sarah's in this movie?" <laughs> well any other closing thoughts before we wrap it up uh i would say that if you haven't seen this movie even if you're not a big comic book fan uh that's fine you will enjoy just the uh frenetic nature of this movie because it moves at such a quick pace not no time is wasted uh there's jokes 
in every single scene of the movie. Uh, the way it is shot is very engaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that this is a movie that I believe deserved a lot more attention than it got. And if it gets the attention now, that's cool. I mean, just go out and see it. It's on Netflix. Might as well check it out. Absolutely. Well, uh, Rico, this has been great. Uh, why don't you tell people a little bit about, Oh, you know what? Before we do plugs, uh, do you have another movie you watched recently? You'd like to recommend to our listeners? Oh yes. So, uh, just recently, like a couple weeks ago, I saw the movie Leave No Trace. Uh, oh, that movie, movie, yeah, it's a great movie. I can't believe I had not watched it before. It's on Amazon Prime. It's about a, daughter, a, a father and a daughter who live out in the woods. He is a former uh, military guy. And I don't want to give away too much there. That I think that's the most I'll give. Um, it is a... It's not a tough watch. I think it it does feel hopeful because of Thomas and Mackenzie's performance as the daughter being Mm. such a hopeful uh, person who wants to see and wants to experience life. Her dad has seen things and gone through things and seeing that dynamic between daughter and father uh, was uh, really touching. And if, if you want a touching and moving experience, I would recommend Leave No Trace. Yeah, great, great movie. I I I co-sign that recommendation right now. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> right on. So uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you and your work? Uh, thank you. So uh, we can be found on our website, alwaysthecriticpod.com. So if you love podcasts, you can check us out, Always the Critic Podcast. We review the latest movies, obviously not now because there is no latest, but we are doing things on our show like just recently. The most recent episode uh, was all about the Action Movie Hall of Fame. We created our own fake Hall of Fame and the eight movies that had to be in that Hall of Fame. So if you want to know, check that out. We are on all the socials at Always Critic Pod, so Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to follow me personally, you can follow me on Twitter at RicoA87. Beautiful. Rico, as always, it was great having you here. And um, keep, uh, keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And hopefully we'll uh, do it again sometime. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on again. I really enjoy coming on to the show. This is Todd from iHeartGeek. We believe that anything you're passionate about is geek. And if you are a geek, you are family here. We record once a week and would love to have you join in our conversations. You can get hold of us at www.iheartgeekshow.com. Use the .com we paid extra for it. You can get us at Twitter at iHeartGeekShow. And you can always search us on our Facebook page as well. And keep on geeking on. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Great movie, definitely worth rediscovering if you haven't seen it in quite a while, like I hadn't. Uh, But it was a lot of fun to talk about. Thank you, Rico, for joining me on the show, and uh, thank you for listening. 
you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser if you're enjoying the show. And Podchaser, I believe at the time that this is going to go up, is still doing their special promotion where for every review left on the site, they are donating 25 cents to Meals on Wheels. So if you go on Podchaser, go find Piecing It Together and leave us a review, which we would love it if you did anyway because we want to know how you're enjoying the show. But uh, if you do that, they are going to donate 25 cents. And then if I respond to your review and say, oh, thanks, man. Thanks so much for for your comments. I, I totally agree with what you're saying there about how we should do, uh, you know, more older movies. Or, oh, yeah, I totally agree. Or, no, I disagree. You're, you're crazy, dude. Um, you know, whatever my reply is, they're going to double that 25 cents to 50 cents. So you should leave a review, and then I'll respond to your review. And then we're donating all this money to Meals on Wheels. So go leave a review on Podchaser. And of course, you can follow us on all the social media sites at PiecingPod. You can join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And you can even come to our Patreon page where for just a few bucks a month, you can get a bunch of bonus content and I'm going to be posting some exclusive music on there soon. So uh, come, come join us on Patreon. That would be amazing if you did that. And, uh, you know, one last thing, if you'd like to be on an episode of piecing it together, I am always looking for new co-hosts to come join us. So get in touch with me. I would love to have you on an episode. So definitely DMS are open as they like to say. So let's leave you guys with a piece of music as we always do. I was going to go try to dig up some chiptune music that I've made at some point over the years, but, um, I'm being lazy, and instead I'm going to uh, play you guys a track called Burn, which I played once before on the show, but it kind of has a little bit of a video gamey kind of feel to it, and it's going to be on whatever my next album is. Uh, this track is going to be on there. I actually already have a music video that was made for it based off of an idea I had and wrote out like a script, and uh, this animator, Zach Mueller, made the video for me, and it's really freaking cool, and it's going to come out whenever the album comes out. I don't know when that's going to be, but sitting here in quarantine, I've been working on a ton of music. And uh, so that new album might be coming sometime pretty soon, but I can't really say when yet. But whenever it does, there's going to be a music video for this track, Burn. And it's got a little bit of a video game feel, so I figured it'd be a good one to play here on this Scott Pilgrim vs. the World episode. So enjoy Burn, and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together coming up real soon.
and All Points West.